the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters, including the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, who we're going to highlight in depth today, of course. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad-free content. For access to all the stories at the heart of the game, check out theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Wednesday evening. It's about 8 p.m. Eastern. We're, of course, going to talk Super Bowl. It's a little bit early to get into the betting stuff, but we're going to dive headfirst in overall bets, money line versus the points, should you hedge? What are the prop bets? So I've got about 12 or 15 that stand out to me that we're going to bring up with Cousin Dan and Scott Allen, go around the room a little bit and uh, kind of pick out the, the different points of this game. We're also going to break down the game a little bit, uh, something different than generally we do, but I'm bringing in some analytics, uh, you know, some defensive stuff, some offensive stuff, how the spending could impact things. Of course, their off seasons, how these two teams differ a little bit financially some names of players who may be uh, looking for paydays next year, whether that's an extension or heading towards free agency on both of these teams. So kind of a, an all-encapsulating uh, Super Bowl matchup breakdown from our standpoint in terms of the money, the free agency side of it, and, of course, the betting side of it as well. But first, the quarterback stuff is not going away. You know, we talked Stafford and Goff. Uh, things are still kind of percolating from that move. And I think it's maybe be energized other moves that at one point might have been dead, but now are in play. What do I mean by that? The Colts were in on Stafford. The 49ers were in on Stafford. You know, the Broncos reached out. There were some teams that really wanted Matthew Stafford in their door as soon as possible. And, of course, you know, the Rams came swinging big and, and they got their guy. So what does this mean for Watson? What does this mean for now Derek Carr? What does this mean for Carson Wentz, who's back in the conversation? Kirk Cousins is now in the conversation. There's a lot going on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I would imagine that story is dead. Let's make it dead until it has to be brought back into play. There's plenty else to talk about. So um, I'm going to start with Kirk Cousins, a guy that I have been reluctant to bring into this kind of conversation this offseason just because of the strength of his contract. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm, I wasn't sure if there was another team that fit the kind of player that he is, which is not elite. You know, it's above average most weeks. He hasn't won big games, but he has won the games he should win handedly and with great st- statistical production. So, you know, when the game is in front of him, when it's comfortable, when the defense isn't too complicated, for, for lack of a better term, things go well for Kirk Cousins. It seems as though the 49ers view him as a clear upgrade to Jimmy Garoppolo. That's kind of the story that came out yesterday, whether that's agent speak, whether that's, you know, the Minnesota trying to trying to ruffle some feathers and make Kirk Cousins look a little bit more attractive because, look, I think if they could release him, they probably would. It's just probably a time for a change of scenery there, even though it's been a few years and, you know, the, the, the guarantees are still about to kick in. March 19th, I mean... So much more locks in here. It's it's kind of crazy. And his entire 2022 is going to become fully guaranteed at that point. So, you know, they're not going to release him with $41 million of dead cap. That's not going to happen. But you could trade him. 
you could trade him and you take on 20 million and you'd save yourself 11 this year and San Francisco or, or team X would take on two for 56, which would become fully guaranteed. That's a fully guaranteed two for 56. So 21 this year, 35 next year, you could convert that into some bonus if you need to clear some cap, but you know, at 21 million this year, that's tenable. That's the Matthew Stafford move. Um, so if San Francisco is thinking this way, number one, that's less of a cap hit than Garoppolo would, would give them right now. So you'd be saving just to acquire. You know, Garoppolo's dead cap is nothing. It's, it's, it's all fallen off. It's $2.8 million a dead cap to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So assume, whether he's in the trade or not is kind of a moot point because you can release him for 2.8 as well. You're saving yourself 23.6 to move on from Garoppolo anyway. Trade, release, whether he retires, all that stuff. 23.6 in your hands. So now you, you turn that into 21 million. That's Kirk Cousins. You're still in the black. It makes sense to me. Okay. Kirk Cousins is a more talented quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe that. I think that's laughable to some people. I understand it. Ne- neither of these players are elite players. Neither of these players, I think, are top 10 in their positions. But Kirk Cousins has statistical categories where he can and has been top 10. And in some cases, top five. With the right weapons and the right scheme, I think Kirk Cousins can really, really succeed. There's a relationship between Shanahan and, and the Washington days with Cousins. So there's a, there's a comfort level of how to utilize him. Um, and, you know, maybe you meld what he can be or what he has been with what the 49ers have become offensively, which is a little bit more spread, a little bit more dynamic. The, the 49ers need more weapons, too. You know, it's not just George Kittle and Devon. <laughs> there's a lot to add to that offense. So there's going to be more moves than just this if this happens. But I think this is probably the one move they identify right now outside of Deshaun Watson, but that's a pipe dream. This is the one move they identify that isn't going to break the bank from a draft standpoint. It shouldn't cost a ton, especially if you're including Garoppolo and who knows what Minnesota wants out of that. But this shouldn't be crazy because of what you're taking on. You're taking on a lot of money, 56 million. You're taking that off the hands of Minnesota. So I don't think San Francisco is going to have to go too deep in terms of compensation to bring this guy in. And like I said, if they're in, if they're thinking what I'm thinking, this is an upgrade for a team that can immediately compete, especially now that the Rams have, have ruffled feathers and shaken things up a bit. And, you know, Seattle uh, kind of been stuck for a couple of years now. You know, they haven't been able to take that next step back to the Super Bowl, back to really even close to the Super Bowl with their current roster. And oh, by the way, they've got some serious free agent situations in Seattle that could overturn that roster as well. So I think it might be a good time to strike for San Francisco. Generally speaking, they go every other year. That's how this current regime has operated. It took a bit of a step back last year in terms of what they brought in, right? They retained a couple of pieces and that's for the better. Trent Williams was a big addition. They're going to sign him. He's going to be the left tackle. That's in good shape. The McGlinchey, the, the offensive line's in good shape right now. So it's probably time, if you can, to upgrade the quarterback position, especially with the dead cap situation at Garoppolo. So just keep an eye on there. That's kind of how the numbers bear out. Cousins leaves behind 20, brings $56 million over, fully guaranteed. Both San Francisco and Minnesota save there in terms of the cap, assuming they move on from Garoppolo and San Fran after that point. So to me, that's a little bit of a win-win. You know, if Minnesota wants to take Garoppolo back and give him a shot there, I could see that happening. A little bit more of a game manager, a little bit more of needs a run game. Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, guess what Minnesota has, okay? 
uh, not just Delvin Cook and his gigantic playmaking ability, but the, but the Madison kid behind him showed really nice signs of at least being complimentary in that role. So I, I like that a lot. I think that's got some real promise. Uh, I expect Drew Brees to retire this week. What does that mean? It means $22.65 million of dead cap <laughs> for the, uh, for the saints. That's what it means. And, uh, they can wait to process this thing. They probably should and kind of let some of it split out, but who knows how they're going to treat this. If they're going to bring back Jameis Winston on one for five or one for four with incentives, uh, you know, none of that really matters too much. They're going to save a ton, $13 million on, on Breeze. They need to save every penny they can. So I imagine they're going to keep things pretty cheap. I don't know what they do with Taysom Hill at this point. I don't. I understand his value. I understand what he brings to that entire offense splash special teams. But if I had to bet, I think they're moving on here. They're going to eat $4 million of dead cap. They're going to save twelve, And they're just going to move on. I think he's tradable. I think he's a tradable entity to some other team. That's the, that's the numbers that trade Taysom Hill. I think, I think they at least explore that with some of these teams who are looking for maybe a 1A option out of this. Let's get to Carson Wentz. Like I said, Indy struck out on Matthew Stafford. Uh, they're kind of lost in the woods here. Could they package their draft and move up and, and draft their next quarterback of the future? For sure. I mean, if they want to do that for Justin Fields, go do it. Go do it. You know, if you got to include a couple of players in there on the current roster, I think you can do that as well. So that's doable for me. This is a team that I, I, I don't have figured out just yet because, yes, Carson Wentz is a guy. You know, he's got playoff potential talent, but there's so much baggage, not just contractually, but also now with what – Everything has, you know, the Eagles have gone through. He's gone through. His agent's gone through with him. Uh, you know, are you bringing a, a semi-circus to town in Indy? Whereas with Philip Rivers, it was so damn nice and peaceful. It was just, oh, that's the perfect fit. Let's make this work. $25 million is the exact perfect salary. Let's go try to win a Super Bowl. They did a pretty nice job this year, kind of passionate together with him. I don't think it's going to be that simple this year, unfortunately. Now, maybe they do with Andy Dalton, right? Maybe Andy Dalton is that quiet, safe, above average option to just drop into the Indianapolis Colts and say, let's do this. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is that player. I don't know. Those are safer bets. But Carson Wentz is a big swing. Not really contractual anymore because, look, it's two years. It's a similar conversation with what we just had with Kirk Cousins, a little bit less to some degree. Okay? I mean, there's, there's some serious long-term capabilities here, too. If he works out, $27 million in three years could be a gigantic value with where the cap could go back after the TV money. So there's a chance that if you can resurrect Carson Wentz, or maybe he's a better fit in your system versus what happened in Philadelphia, that he's got serious value at his age. So I'm not going to discount it because, look, he's a top two pick. Took a team to the playoffs, injured or not. He was responsible for much of that season. That team's been in contention with him most of his career. So he's got talent, you know, and, and whether it's in his head or not at this point, I get teams wanting to, wanting to bring him in. I, I would get that. I would get Bill Belichick wanting to try to fix him. I would get Frank Reich wanting to fit to fix him because of the value you could get after the guaranteed money's paid out. So do the Eagles want to do this? I have no idea. 
I, I, I don't know why the Eagles would do this and take on $33.8 million of dead cap outside. In, in, they're already going to be cutting players. I mean, they're in the second worst shape to the Saints in terms of cap at this point. So I'm still not on the side of this is going to happen. I'm just saying it sounds like Wentz's name is back in the conversation, and I'm guessing that that is because the Colts missed out on Matthew Stafford. So just something to keep in mind there. Oh, by the way, we don't know anything about Ben Roethlisberger yet. If, the, if Pittsburgh decides... It doesn't matter what you want to be paid. You know, we can take you down from 19 to 12. It's just not worth it. We want to go bring somebody else in. We want to bring in whatever, you know, Derek Carr, who I'm going to talk about next here, who is back in the conversation after I thought he had played himself out of trade talks. I thought he had gotten on Gruden's good side enough to be able to put himself away, especially with the fact that, look, he's under 20 million this and next year, and none of it's guaranteed. The dead cap is two and a half, so they can clearly save cap at any point in time, whether they trade or release him. I mean, that's there's no question that the contract is right side up for the Raiders to move on. But I just think Derek Carr, for what he did last year statistically, is great value, outstanding value. In fact, if I'm his agent, I'm banging the door down to get a new contract with that kind of with those kind of numbers. So if the Raiders are even a little bit hesitant with him, they should trade him because there are teams like Washington, Indy, Pittsburgh, who I think would be very, very much in on Derek Carr. Uh, the Bears are definitely in that conversation. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And every other year, he's a great quarterback. So maybe you're banking on the fact that he's going to regress next year a little bit. That's even more reason to bring him into a new, a new system, in my opinion. Give him a chance to get acclimated. You can, you can kind of slow play next year. Then he's in the, a contract year in 2022. So if he's shown progression enough to, to become your next three to four year quarterback, you can extend him, put him on a, on a right price point, manage his cap a little better and expect him, have expectations with him at that point. I think it's the right time to make a move for Derek Carr. It's whether the Raiders want to or not, in my opinion. And, you know, the rumblings are out there, so there's something going on. And of course, the last is Deshaun Watson. Um, no news to me means nothing's happening. Yes, they're probably taking a boatload of offers because why wouldn't you be? I mean, I'm sure the Jets have upped their offer at this point to try to supersede some teams at this point. But I just can't imagine a new regime coming in and saying, ah, you know what, that guy, I'd rather have draft assets than that guy. Even though he's demanding it, he said what he had to say. J.J. Watt said what he had to say. It looks like there's a, there's a, bit, of, a bit of a mutiny happening from a player perspective. Even that, they don't have to trade him. He might hold out. He might punt on the $10 million he's owed this year. I get that. I think I would take my bets that and make him make that power play if I'm Houston. And I'm generally a player-sided guy. But this is a new regime. I understand the complications, the politics, and the, I don't know, lack of effort with diversity, lack of effort with communicating with Deshaun Watson, who deserves that right. It's not required. You know, Deshaun Watson doesn't need to be a part of coaching hires or GM hires or player personnel directives. That's not a requirement. And I think it's rare. You know, I would imagine that the Brady's and the Rogers and the Breeze of the world have had those kind of conversations with the upper hand, but you know, I'm not sure Watson is there yet. He's 25 years old. So if they're really going to trade him, God bless him, you know, and the offer better be outstanding. But the last three years of this Houston regime, it's been the exact opposite, the exact opposite. It's been, they've been the ones making bad trades to get rid of guys elsewhere, right? Or to bring in Laramie Tunzel, they gave up 
the farm to send DeAndre Hopkins out. They still gave up too much to send DeAndre Hopkins out of town. So I, uh, it's been a bad track record. New regime, new eyeballs looking at this thing. I just wouldn't trade that guy. That's all. And I don't think they will. My gut tells me no. All right, let's flip the switch from quarterbacks that may get moved to two quarterbacks who are at the top of their game. One is, <laughs> even though they're, one is twice the other's age. Uh, let's talk some Super Bowl numbers. Like I said, spending numbers, finances, uh, some, some analytics and statistics in terms of the, the season and how the season kind of evolved for these two teams. And then, of course, overall betting, gambling, and prop bets with Cousin Dan and Scott Allen. But first, today's Track podcast episode is presented by the Online Betting Guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. It's free to enter, share your picks, and win cash prizes. That easy. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to compete for top place in the leaderboard and at the same time help others make informed betting decisions something we are probably going to need in the next couple of minutes here going through these numbers. Show them what you got today. It's olbg.com, at olbg on Twitter and all the other socials. Great company, tons of knowledge. If you're looking for an education and also a chance to play some games and win some cash prizes, why not? olbg.com. Joined on the OLBG hotline by Scott Allen and Cousin Dan. Big week, Super Bowl week, couple days away here. It's probably too early to actually place bets. Dan, I'm going to start there. How much is this line going to move? It's minus three to the Chiefs. It's been that pretty much out of the get-go. I assume that means that the Bucks have been heavily bet on this thing. Is that going to change at any point in time? Um, I think it's going to, I mean, it's had over, a, you know, well over a week for people to kind of hammer it. So I, I think your point is dead on that, um, there's probably money coming in on the Bucks that are that's kind of leveling it off. Um, I expected it to kind of go the Chiefs' way initially, but um, if it's kind of held strong this long, I sort of think it will um, linger around that number, um, you know, right up until kickoff. But um, last week we saw a ton of money come in on the Bucks. Or sorry, two weeks ago for the Packers game, we saw a ton of, ton of money come in on the Bucks real late. So I wonder if people, um, you know, if there's going to be the same kind of scenario setting up here. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm thinking too. All right, Scott, I'm going to turn to you to kind of lead this thing off. We've got a bunch of numbers. You know, we like to do this every single year, kind of break down just some interesting financial or statistical facts about these two teams. It's kind of like a, a unique precursor to the Super Bowl. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know how you don't start with the offseason. And <laughs> I know it's not that they were rebuilding this team, right? I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs were the top offseason spenders in terms of total value contracts. Give us the number because it is something. Yeah, they were first with $688 million spent <laughs> in the offseason. It's a baseball but, team. <laughs> it is. But they were only 30th in free agency as opposed to yeah. the Bucks, who were 25th in offseason spending at $180 million. Uh, which was 17th in free agency. So obviously the Chiefs, you know, they spent a lot uh, outside of free agency, which is why they're so far down compared to everybody else. Yeah, it's all about keeping their own. Uh, you know, the Bucks yep. are in the middle of the pack with pretty much all of these numbers, Scott, for the most part. You know, the ones we like to look at, average salaries, general cap spending. 
you know, every, every year we kind of talk about there's going to be at least one of these teams that's that's ba- that's super balanced. It feels like Tampa Bay is that team, and you know, once again, it's Brady and his twenty-five to twenty-seven million dollar cap hit. I mean, he's been doing this for 20, 20 years. He didn't he didn't you know go off script just because he changed teams. So yeah, Tampa Bay put a little bit of money into making you know that's Gronk, that's Brady, of course, and then you know that did, the off season doesn't even include Leonard Fournette. Because that was in the middle of the of the of the season here, so you know they continue to evolve. Whereas the Chiefs, really, even though they battled injuries, and there's, that's certainly a conversation for leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, it was about retaining that core to big time numbers. So again, we'll see how long that can last. It's it's terrifying that they're all they they really did this all over a matter of sixteen months in terms of you know their five or six notable players. So. I don't know if that's sustainable, but I don't think they care. They care about winning Sunday and pretty much nothing else at this point in time. Dan, if I told you that the Bucks had the fifth highest spending offense in football, would that surprise you? No, I don't think so. They, um, I mean, they have some names and some, uh, you know, some sort of big deals with Mike Evans and I mean, Brady, you know, for being sort of a reasonable deal, it's still a lot of money. So, no, I mean, not overly surprising. They have a ton of offensive weapons there, and um, unless you set that perfectly up with the cap, it's kind of hard to get that way. Yeah, that's right. I think you have to push the envelope a little bit there, and for a lot of the season, the defense was lacking. It's the 11th most cap spent against the defense this year. Got a heck of a lot better, and we're going to talk about that in a second with some of these stats, but you know, these are two top 12 defenses, two top five offenses in terms of spending. That's not an accident. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, these teams were both all in in terms of at least one side of the ball. You know, the Chiefs had reason to believe that their defense was going to be a problem. That changed about week six you know, against the Bills. Things really turned around for that, for that team as a whole week six, and they really haven't looked back, even though there's been a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks off there, which is just intelligent football in my opinion. Projected starters for Super Bowl Sunday, and I am including Sammy Watkins as he's been a late kind of notable, probably going to happen to this uh, to the starting starting lineup. The Bucks have him by twenty million dollars, and it's offensive line. There, there's no other way to look at it. The Chiefs' offensive line is down to bare bones. It's basically Austin Ryder and, and a couple of guys. Uh, you know, their left tackle is going to be Mike Remmers, who's kind of a, a journeyman, you know, depth guy. Scott, the offensive starting line numbers are pretty damning. Go ahead and throw those out there. Oh, my gosh. Offensive line for the Bucks, $35 million of cap versus Kansas City at $6 million. $6 million for four players, for, excuse me, for five yeah. starting linemen. So, you know, it's not an accident. They are third string, fourth string on a couple of those positions. Uh, but, you know, Mahomes has his center. And Mahomes can move out of the pocket, and, and his release point, his release time is quick, as is Brady. So, does it really matter that much? I don't, you know. I, I guess let's throw that around the round table here. Dan, are you ultimately concerned that Kansas City's line is not going to be able to hold up here? Mm, not, not specifically, no. Okay, Scott, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go against Dan. I'm going to say the Bucks defense has been, or their defense has been so good in the last few games here in, in giving pressure and giving different schemes. I, I get it. Mahomes is mobile. He's had an extra two weeks for, you know, healing the, the toe and whatever else. But 
you know, I, I think that Bucks defense is going to give that offensive line of the Chiefs a run for their money or lack thereof their money. I'm going to save my <laughs> answer for the next section because I want to back it up with some data. Um, you know, another thing we do this time of year, which we've kind of on a more global effort we've done, Scott, with our best values, our top salaries, how, how did they fare in 2020? There's only one player in this game Sunday that, that is the highest paid at his position in terms of average salary. Obviously, that's Patrick Mahomes at $45 million. However, it comes with a gigantic asterisk, right? I mean, yes. He's not bringing $45 million into this game, not even close, in fact. Mahomes' cap, cap hit for 2020 was $5.3 million. That's less mm-hmm. than Josh Allen, okay? I mean, that's less than many of these quarterbacks that are sitting out there right now, most, in fact. So, you know, it's, it's $22 million less than Tom Brady in his free agent contract. So, yes, the, ex- the, the extension existed, it happened he, at some point in time, he's going to make a boatload of money and he did make a decent amount of cash this year, but this year and next year, the cap hits are just, you know, absolutely rookie contract esque is what they are. So you, you can't really come out on a limb and say that the chiefs are going to win the super bowl, despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a $45 million man. That's not a real thing yet. It's just not a real no. thing. It's a, because there's a there's a line in the sand between cap and cash, and this could not be the more evidence of it. Uh, Scott, take us into the Football Outsiders DVOA statistic for a few minutes here, because I don't love to to, to live on that stat. You know, there are some some outlets that that, that love to really push this thing on a, on a week to week basis, and I get it. it. There's a lot of work and a lot of math and a lot of game tape that goes into these kind of numbers. So at some point in time, it's good to reference it, especially when you're talking about the trenches, the O line, the D line. I really value the work they do, especially for those entities. But there's there's some interesting caveats to pull out of DVOA with these two teams specifically. I wonder if you don't, if you can run down the the gamut for us here. Yeah. So the way to DVOA, the, the Bucks were third overall versus the Chiefs being sixth overall. And uh, this is a matchup of the second place. Kansas City versus the third place Tampa Bay best offensive DVOAs of the year. So, you know, we've got two juggernauts going up against each other, probably the best from AFC and the NFC. And, you know, it's a it's just going to be a clash of the Titans. And, and, and they're second and third. But it should be noted that the gap between second and third is pretty damn sizable. I, I mean, the Chiefs efficiency. And that's evident with the eye test. I mean, Mahomes, it, he picks his spots to go downfield, but this is a dink and dunk offense. It just so happens that the guys they're dinking and dunking to are the greatest athletes in the world. And they're able to either bowl over people in Kelsey's case, or just flat out outpace them in terms of Hardman and Tyreek Hill. Uh, this is pretty simple stuff for Andy Reid, in my opinion. Uh, just get balls in hands here. That's really all this is about. And, if you've got the right personnel, which they have, which is why they spent $688 million this offseason, or at least allocated that money, it, you know, the, the scheme can kind of write itself. Tampa Bay had a lot more work to do. Number one, because they didn't know Brady. Brady didn't know them. Number two, Godwin's injury kind of lingered throughout the year. Um, they had to work hard to get to number three, but they are sizably behind Kansas City in terms of second to third place. It's the defense I want you to keep to focus on here, though. And, and it's it's why I waited so long on DVOA because Kansas City's defense, as I kind of mentioned in the precursor here, they were awful. 
I mean, there was a point in time when many people were saying this defense specifically is going to hold them back from winning the Super Bowl, from repeating this year. That's how bad they are. They literally cannot stop teams. It's kind of the NBA conversation we're having right now with the Brooklyn Nets, with, you know, you know, a lot of these high powered offensive teams, you know, are they going to be able to get it done in the playoffs? Well, can we be fair about it? When it came time to play ball, you know, week seven, eight, when Thanksgiving got here, which is kind of the, the idiom that a lot of people use, you know, when it came time to matter, Kansas City's defense stepped it up, whether that was coaching, whether that was personnel changes, scheme changes, I don't know. But my, my best guess is there was a hangover from last year's long season. A lot of guys had to kind of get their juices flowing a little bit. And when it came time, week seven, week eight, to, to, to flip the switch, they were able to do that. The DVOA between... Week six and where we are right now is shocking. Go ahead. Yeah, so Bucks had the, the best DVOA defensive line in terms of adjusted yards. Yeah. And the, um, the, the Kansas City, they were 25th. So, you know, that's why I was saying, you know, that Bucks defense, they're, they're – if they show up, they're they're gonna give Kansas City a run for the money. Now, can Kansas City's defense turn around and and still uh, put the pressure on Tom to have to be quicker and mobile than he needs to be? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sack prop bets that I want to get to with Dan that I think are pretty interesting because when we're having this conversation, this kind of high level trenches conversa- conversation, there's always a way to pull money out of it. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Let me kind of spell it out for you a little, Scott. So when, when you, the way that DVOA works is there's just a flat number to start, right? So for, for instance, here's, here's what the, the actual production says is the rank of defenses from 1 to 32. If, you're, if you take away all the factors in terms of a cumulative season, strength of schedule, all that kind of stuff, Kansas City's defense is 22nd, just flat. When you weigh it, when you factor in, you know, the flip the switch after week six, some of the strength of schedule issues, some of the injury issues, things like that, that's when they jump up. That's when they take their leap up and, and you know, bring them to a situation where they're the sixth overall DV, weighted DVOA in the entire league. So that's the, that's the gap that they were able to bridge, um, whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because of their schedule. You know, this is probably on paper a bad defense <laughs> from, you know, Take Chris Jones out of it. Take Tyron Matthew out of it. There's probably not a, another great defensive player on that field right now. There's a lot of group guys, you know, playing well together, and they've certainly glued together, like I said, late in the season here. But just statistically speaking, flat and on paper, they're, they're well below average. So they've come a long way. My, my point is this. There's holes. Uh, and Brady's kind of a master at this. And if he can get on page with Gronk, Cameron Brait, Mike Evans, who we're going to talk about quite a bit here with Dan. If if those players are in sync with how to how to beat this, where the holes are in this defense, clearly there's holes. You know, this is a beatable team. So I understand the line not moving like it has. And, and yeah, the adjusted yardage that that football outsiders put into into these defensive and offensive lines, it, it's pretty simple. For me, it's pretty simple. I think Tampa Bay needs to run the ball. I know Chris Jones is there. I know Frank Clark. I know there's some players there. And I'd stay the heck away from Chris Jones as much as humanly possible. But these stats generally don't lie this time of year. There's enough of a sample here 
and the way that they weigh it or, or, or kind of leave you to, to interpret it yourself, you, you can kind of take what you want from this. The Kansas City offensive line and then the Kansas City defensive line, to me, are the weaknesses in this game, specifically. And if Tampa Bay wants to pound the ball up the middle a couple of times and really shake things up and then use some of those dink and dunk plays that Kansas City is certainly going to use against them, to me, that's the model. That's what the stats, the advanced metrics tell me is, you know, Brady going to Scotty Miller might be a one-time shot, similar to how we, what we saw two weeks ago. Everything else should right. be at the line of scrimmage against this team. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give Tyron Matthew a chance in, in the world to win the MVP because you know he's dying to. You know that he, he's the kind of ball hawk that's looking to be all over this field and take, and, and take the steam out of Brady's, you know, goat conversation right now. Um, I wouldn't challenge that more than I had to. To me, it's at the at the line in the trenches where I would do the damage on both sides of the ball. I'd be rushing the hell out of that out of that young six million dollar offensive line if I'm Tampa, and I'd be pounding the ball against you know the non Chris Jones side of of the uh, uh, of the Kansas City defensive line. So that to me, and, and we can move this into a conversation with some gambling, Dan. To me, this that begs for a boring game. It's going to rain. I'm telling them to, to run the ball, right? Uh, everything I'm saying says, bet the under. This is going to be boring. Just before we dive into some of these props and overall bets, how far off do you think that assessment is? Um, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's reasonable. I mean, the, I don't think any team prepares for Kansas city thinking we want to get into a shootout with them. Right. So that, that ideally makes sense that the bucks are going to keep it on the ground, do their, do their short yard, everything close to the line of scrimmage and then take their red zone shots to Mike Evans or their deep shots to Scotty Miller or, sure. or Johnson or whoever it might be. Does, does Brady's game two weeks ago concern you in that regard though, Dan, because look at, I'll put it this way for 20 years, you you know if Bill Belichick was the coach coming up against Kansas City this week, it's all about time of possession. It's all about we are going to drive this game into the ground and absolutely give Mahomes as minimal amount of snaps as possible. That's just how Belichick has operated. It, it almost looked like last week like Brady was so sick of that philosophy, and that's why you saw those three second-half interceptions. He just wants to unleash it. He's, he's just he's, – it seems like he's been tied down – for, for two decades, and he just wants to throw the damn ball around and, and, and win with his arm. Is there any concern that he's going to do that, or is he just too measured to make that mistake in the Super Bowl? I would lean towards he's too measured. If they, if they think they can, you know, give the ball to Ronald Jones 15 times and, and Leonard Fournette 15 times, and that's the key to winning, I, I don't see why they um, why they would do that. I, I just felt like the game plan two weeks ago, you know, let it lended itself to that a little bit better than, than this week. I mean, I mean, they're just, they're either going to want a lot of short passes at the line, a, like a lot of completed passes, running the ball off. The, I mean, you can, you can accomplish the same thing as running the ball with that, you know, exactly. very similar. That's the chief's model. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think they're going to – they really don't even have the weapons to to have a downfield game, which would speed this game up. I mean, the Chiefs are the team that that could really obviously hit that home run. So, Yeah, there's no well, question. I, I, so I, I did some looking up of the stats with the Super Bowl scoring and, the, and total points and everything. 
since 2011, the average score was 30 to 20 uh, with a total points of 49.9, so 50 hmm. points since 2011. If you do, if you include all the way back to 2000 itself, uh, it, it's about 28.8 to 18.6 is the score, so about 47 points. So either way, the average itself has been way under the 55 and a half that it's at right now. So it, it'll be interesting. If if I had to put money down, I, I'm going on the under. Yeah, I imagine that. I, I imagine that's where the money's going to be, um, especially if you are betting Tampa Bay. You're betting that it's going to be a time of possession game. I don't think anything we're saying here is groundbreaking news. Um, we'll get to it, though. We'll get to some picks here in a second. Um, Scott, real quick. Actually, let's go around the, around the room here really quick because I'm kind of putting people on the spot here, and I've done a little bit of work, but it's not really worth getting to the numbers. You can check it out at Spot Track as needed. Who's coming back? Antonio Brown. Yeah, if yeah, Tom, I think so. I think Tom's going to push for him to be back. Dan? In theory, yes, but I mean, is there a bigger wild card in, in not even football, but sports in terms of, you know, that's even a day before, even yeah. a day before Florida Antonio Brown is terrifying, right, Dan? Exactly. So, I mean, who knows? Ideally, yes. I say that mostly driven by the fact that Chris Godwin is probably going to move on somewhere else, but. Uh, Jeez, bury the lead, that, man. He's I mean, next. Sorry. <laughs> So but got, no, I, I mean, yeah. other, otherwise, if they were if they were loaded, um, you know, if they they were loaded at wide receiver, I would say maybe there's more flexibility to to move on. But I mean, it, it didn't sound initially like I'm, I'm making this way longer of a response than needed. But it sounded like Arians wasn't in love with him to begin with. Right. So there is some, you know, there is a little bit of uh, cause for hesitation there, in my opinion. But no, I'm with Scott too. I at this current moment, yeah, I would say he's on. Yeah, I think you just make Brady happy at that point, and if that's what he wants, then so be it. Uh, Godwin gone for everybody here? Yeah, yeah you already he, got my answer. Yeah, I agree. Is, I think he's going to get paid somewhere is, else. Is he staying in the state? Because I think he might. Either team, to be honest. I, I think he's right for the Dolphins or the Jaguars. I think that's a nice shiny new toy for Trevor Lawrence who, where they may need, just need to load up on those kind of things to, to make his game as explosive as possible. So, I, yeah, I think he, he might have a chance to stay in state there. Fournette. Scott? I think he's there. You do? Yeah, on, I do. On, on a decent contract? Yeah, or, I think so. Yeah? I, I do. I, I think he has gelled really well with Tom and Tom likes those guys that he has the chemistry with. So I, I think they do what they have to do to have Fournette back at least one more year. Dan, what do you think? Let, let me pre- pre- precursor this. It'll be Ronald Jones contract year in 2021. So what does that mean for Fournette? I'll take the flip side and say, no, I think between that back, I mean, Ronald Jones, we saw is a more than usable running back, I think, and kind of fits that Bruce Arian style um, of unpredictability at the position. But, um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, they just drafted Keyshawn Vaughn too. But, yeah, if Fournette's at the right price, sure, I could see them bringing it. Yeah, but I, I, uh, I think it's a compromise of what you're both saying. I think they let him walk, let him go get a price somewhere, 
you know, if the Bears want to pay him, if one of those other teams, geez, Miami could use a running back as well. If one of those teams want to go and pay him a Melvin Gordon, $8 million a year, then so be it. If they can get him back in, in the three to $4 million range as a compliment to those two rookies, heck yeah. You bring him back. That, that's not a place you need to screw around, to be honest. There, there's going to be so many other changes on this roster, unfortunately, because of cap situations. So I, uh, I think that's, you know, if the price is right, it's a no-brainer, yes. Uh, I'd say the same about Godwin, but I'm just, I'm just, I have 0% confidence that he's not going to go get a big contract somewhere else. Last one with the Bucks, Levante David, the uh, linebacker sitting next to Devin White the, this Sunday. Been a long career for him in Tampa Bay. Is this going to be a, a curtain call? Is this going to be it for him? Go ahead, Dan. Um, I guess I don't really have a good read on that situation, but yeah. um, I mean, it's set, it's set up for it, so so why not? Yeah, I think he's going to say he's back. Yeah, you think that he's going to take a little bit of a team-friendly deal to stick around? I think that's yeah, what I a do. lot of people consider uh, because you know Devin White's going to have to break the bank at some point here. <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. turning into that kind of player, and uh, David's on the wrong side of thirty at this point. I'm going to, I'm going to bury my lead here and say, I've got him as a fringe MVP candidate <laughs> in this game because of everything we're talking about. Cause he, the, the storyline kind of writes itself and look, storylines matter to MVPs. It just does what, what Tony Romo says during the broadcast is going to drive the MVP conversation. It's just a fact. So I, uh, I, I like him for Sunday. I don't know where he lands financially. I've got him, you know, in that 11 to $12 million range, kind of like a Justin Houston kind of situation. But if, you know, if, if the Jets want to pay stupid money to him, then he's gone, in my opinion. That's as, it's as easy as that. Here's a couple of tough ones. Patrick Mahomes center, Austin Ryder. It'd be the second center Mahomes loses in three years. Mitch Morris a couple of years ago to the Bills. Does he lose another one this offseason? He's, he's essentially going to be a $10 million center, according to our, our numbers. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, the only reason I bring him up is because, you know, how much do you mess with that consistency? We've seen, for, I, I, for instance, look at what happened to Baltimore. They yeah. literally, they're out of the playoffs because they couldn't snap the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I hesitate because, you know, he did lose Mitch Morris to bring in another center and in the amount of, you know, revolving door of that center position and you're not able to get that chemistry for long term, it's going to affect, you would think, at some point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to say to keep the consistency, they're going to do something to, to keep him. Okay. Dan? I, I mean, the cap situation comes into a, a, you know, into play here at some point, right there. They're going to have to do a little bit of magic there if I'm not mistaken. So um, I I see what you're saying with the continuity, but I, 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 with Mahomes of all people, I mean, that, that seems like the player on a team, if they're up against the cap and they have other priority players they're trying to keep, that seems like a move where maybe you try and address it early ish in the draft and then you have control over this player at a reasonable price, they can build chemistry that way um, instead of tacking on a couple of years of, uh, of an expensive free agent. I couldn't agree more. But I, I, mean, I couldn't all, agree more, all Dan. Your points, your points make sense, though, totally. I, I think instead, rather than paying him 10 which you know he might go get from a couple of teams here, because especially if he wins another Super Bowl, you go and find a versatile guy who can play both guard and center, because that's clearly what Andy Reid wants. He wants guys that can play every position. So, yeah, you address it in the second round of the draft, and then you also go and get some journeyman vets who can kind of slide left and right on that offensive line to back him up or, or start for him, however you need to handle that. 
Yeah, I think you plug and play, uh, especially if they win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl with fourth stringers on that offensive line, why would you pay anybody? Because then Dan's, Dan's argument was just get Mahomes the ball, right? If that's the argument, if we're just getting Mahomes the ball and we're going to run Tyreek Hill across the, uh, you know, across in terms of end arounds and, and little shovel passes for 40% of our offense, do you really even need a stout, you know, interior offensive line in this roster? Probably not. Unless somebody can break it down, uh, I wouldn't pay. I, I wouldn't overpay for that offensive line just yet. They may be a little bit too far gone for the Super Bowl, but we sure we certainly will see on that. Last one. This is probably the toughest one. Not that he's going to stay or go. I think he's gone, but Sammy Watkins, do we have any beat on, on what kind of career this guy's going to have from here forward? What do you think, Dan? No idea. Really, really no idea. I mean, would it even um, surprise you if he end up wound up back in Buffalo? <laughs> That's like the number two option there. I feel like yeah, it could be anything. I, I, yeah, I don't have a good read on what the market would be, but if I'm not mistaken, he will be one of the more talented guys available. Am I am I am I wrong on that? Well, ah, there's it's a good list. There's T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay. It's it's Allen Robinson. He's probably honestly Dan like ninth in terms of age versus production over the past couple seasons. It's a pretty strong list. So he's not going to go and cash in. There's no question about that. And if he's smart, he. He settles up with another contender, whether it's San Francisco or something like that. Um, you know, Buffalo. Is that, is that is that you is that you on the record saying you like T.Y. Hilton more than Sammy Watkins long term? Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm happy, no. but I do think it's an interesting question. No, because well, both have such awful injury history at this point. Uh, I, I guess Sammy's younger, but no, I. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, no. besides Kenny Galladay, I, I think you're you're basically picking out of a grab bag then uh, out of skills and talent. And I think Watkins clearly has talent, but I, I get I get it that there's probably much safer options for for teams. But yeah, I don't know. I, to answer your question directly, I have no idea if he's back or not. But I, I could see. I, I would think they are moving on from him. Um, but Detroit, right? Detroit overpays. You can put him back with Jared. I don't know. You can put him back with Jared Goff. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk some money here. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys choose. Are you gonna make? Should we make our picks for this Super Bowl now or after we go through this mirage of kind of intricate specific bets we have? Should Should we lay it out there now, or should we kind of lead up to it? I think we do that now. I think the profits are kind of funny money for the Super Bowl at the, at, you know, at a certain point. And so, yeah, I, I think we can. Why do you say that then? Cause I know you're a fan of them throughout the regular season. Do you think that these are priced incorrectly in terms of, uh, of money you should spend on them or, or is it just that they, they get so silly at this point? Sorry. Yeah. Bad terminology. I, I guess I'm just saying that there is so much not sharp money in the market for yeah. this game specifically over any other game um, that, I mean, you will find massively soft lines on certain things, I bet. But um, for the most part, I guess what I was trying to say, more of what I was trying to say is the majority of people are not going into betting this weekend trying to actually, like, get an an ROI. Um, You know, most people, 
you know, they don't want the, the meat and potatoes over under bet so much as they want to be watching for like Gatorade. The, yeah. The touchdown. <laughs> yeah. The Gatorade or the Anthem or the, or the even, even the long shot touchdown that they bet. So that kind of thing. That's all I meant by that. I mean, there are plenty of sharp people that are going to make a boatload of money this weekend, but um, there's there's never a game that has softer money in it than um, that's a than this that's a really really good point, and, and it's some, and it's probably a reason not to follow the trends too much this week, right? Because the trends are going to be thrown way off by a lot of those new eyeballs that are trying to trying to just get in on the fun, right? Right, but at the same token, I mean, if there's steam around, you know, if. I guess I, I guess I we see that a lot more with popular players. Um, you know, people place bets on their favorite players, and um, you know, your sister-in-law who has doesn't care about football. If they're placing some sort of bet or something like that, then they're going on just like somebody that they know or you know a fun bet like that. So, um, yeah, that, that that's all I mean. It's it's more people are just throwing money at the wall and well, you know it, to have fun. And, that, and that's a good point because, you know, my state, Virginia, just came online with sports betting through FanDuel Sportsbook and, you know, DraftKings and whatnot. So you're getting, as more states come online, you're you're getting more people that are going to willy-nilly throw, yep. throw in some a dollar here or a dollar there uh, instead of having to go to New Jersey or Las Vegas and you have the, the sharks that are in those areas, you're you're opening the door to more casual fans throwing in money on these types of props. Yeah, there's no question. All right, let's let's start with maybe the most important one, which is, you know, generally boring. But look at three of the last seven MVPs have not been quarterbacks. That's pretty good. So, you know, you can take Mahomes and, and parlay it with that with something if you want, but. I'll start here. Tom Brady's plus 200, Dan. I mean, why isn't that bettable? No, it it for sure is. I mean, if they win, he's probably going to have a major, you know, a major hand in it. So I, um, no challenge there. How hard is it to, to for a non-quarterback to win? So, for instance, the conversation I want to have is, is you're going to hear, and I'm sure you have already, but the buzz is going to be around Travis Kelsey, plus 1,500. Um, you know, he's just been such a monster. He was an absolute monster last week. He had a monster game at halftime right, against the Bills. Um, you know, he's going to be the sexy pick. But how impossible is it going to be for Travis Kelsey to win this thing? Because if he scores three touchdowns, it's because Patrick Mahomes threw him those balls, correct? He's not doing end arounds. He's not doing different things that can separate himself from the quarterback. I, I can't see that as, as being any kind of value bet. And the fact that he's fourth in terms of MVP, MVP odds, to me, is just Vegas saying, Come, give me your money, baby. Give it to me because it's never going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I, tend, I tend to agree with that. I think that's um, a little bit of a fishy bet um, for the most part. I, I agree. For a non-quarterback to win the Super Bowl MVP has to, has to be basically a fluky game script setup where exactly. – um, not a lot of offensive scoring, uh, maybe a defensive touchdown or a, a big play on um, special teams, something like that. Um, so that all screams Tyreek Hill. I mean, it, that's that's Tyreek Hill. I mean, a punt return, uh, an end, an end around, right, where he's the, a rusher and and not so much a you know a pass catcher. He has those fluky, gimmicky abilities 
to break a game open without the, the need of Patrick Mahomes facilitating that, right? I mean, at plus 1,400, yeah. it's not a mistake that he's so closely tied to Travis Kelsey from an odd standpoint here. They're basically saying, you know, the, 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 that's Vegas saying, hey, Tyreek's the good bet, but if we smash Tra- Travis Kelsey right behind him and make him a little bit better value, I bet we get more people to bet Travis Kelsey, even though Tyreek Hill is probably the right bet to make, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I, if I were pinning those two up against each other, I would probably lean towards Hill um, on that, um, you know, m- way more often than not. Just like you said, he can he can do an end around, he can, you know, punt return, wh- whatever it might be, he is more involved in, uh, you know, it in less ways that it directly correlates with, with Mahomes having a big game. It, I'm, I'm the, you know, to go a little bit further, if you're if you're like looking for like a more outside name, I mean, I, I think Har- McCole Hardman is a similar play because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he returns either kicks or punts. I forget which one, and he's I mean, he's probably one of the fastest guys in the league. So if you he if he gets the ball in his hands three or four times and he turns that into a touchdown and a big play, and it is if like you hinted at earlier, it's a low scoring game due to the weather, et cetera. Um, I mean, I think somebody like that has an outside chance. So if I were going through Mahomes for the MVP and not picking one of the quarterbacks, I think I would lean at, you know, one of those guys. Not, not that they're good probabilities, but that's just a little bit of my thinking. It's a hundred to one. It's a hundred to one. And, and you're right. He is the, 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 the B version of Tyreek Hill. So if, if, if the best safety in Tampa Bay's defense is going to be ball hawking Tyreek Hill all game. And Devin White, is his job is going to be to spy Travis Kelsey all game. You're right. It's going to be about the third option. It's going to be yeah, about... From, from a DF, like, not, not to like stray, but from like a DFS perspective, when I'm trying to, right. you know, in, in these big tournaments with a lot of people and it's only one game, I'm going to be looking a lot at those, you know, the, the Demarcus Robinsons and the McCole Hardmans to try and differentiate. And, and that's why I like kind of similar, you know, simulate that to, um, you know, betting you're trying, if you're trying to look for something outside that, could, you know, has a decent chance of happening um, and would directly affect the performance of, you know, bigger players around him, Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. Then that I think that's a, you know, probably a good, good uh, bet. That would absolutely be the long shot that I would pick. There's no question. And I tie that in with the next conversation quickly is, you know, if defense is going to happen, it's going to be somebody who can make a play kind of in all facets of the game. So while I love Tyron Matthew, honestly, at five to one, I ain't doing it. Excuse me, at 50 to one, it's just not good enough for me. Um, he's the second, excuse me, the third highest ranked odds in terms of defensive players. Devin, actually, they're tied. Devin White, Shaq Barrett, Tyron Matthew tied at, at 50 to one. I understand the cases for all those players, but... If Devin White's going to do this, it's because he's demolishing Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Okay. And I, and I wouldn't bet on that. That that's not a bet I would take Shaq Barrett getting home on Patrick Mahomes. That's not a bet I would take. He's going to have to do it at least three times to be be even in this conversation. Tyra Matthew, I talked about, but I just think that they game plan around him in terms of the run game and things like that. So I, I wouldn't give him enough opportunities to win this. So it's Levante David for me who might be, you know, stopping the run game, stopping Clyde Edwards Hilaire, shutting down, you know, the second tight end coming across the middle, shutting down McCole Hardman on the little out, out, you know, four yard out patterns. 
while also trying to get home on Patrick Mahomes or, or maybe stopping him from scrambling, containing. There's a, there's a world where he's both a factor in the, in, the, in the pass rush and in coverage, and at 120 to 1, why not? Why not? And, and like I said, the storyline's there. If this is going to be his final game in Tampa Bay after a long career there, then that's going to add to the, add some juice to this conversation. So t- you take Harbin as your long shot. I'm going to take Levante David as mine. Scott, where do you live? And, uh, you know, is it too tough to quit the, the favorites here? I mean, the, is the Tyrek Hill conversation we, we just gave probably too hard to get past that 14-1? to To be honest, yes, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, and, and let me, you guys let, let me throw this point. at you. I'm going to give you a tough question because you're a smart dude. The off the off the field stuff with Tyreek Hill does that stop him from winning an MVP? This is an objective. This is an objective award. This is like a Hall of Fame selection, <laughs> in some degree. Does it mess with any of it? Mm. Not in this case. Okay. I don't think so. Too much in I the moment, right? Too, right. Too much in the moment. Like we talked about with the Hall of Fame of baseball, there's too much time for there to breathe and. In this case, it's such a short time period and everyone's adrenaline is going to be up. I, I don't I don't think that's going to have any impact on that. It, it, with that being said, you're right. He, he is the more impactful player that could easily do an end around and go 80 yards and, you know, it's out of Mahomes' hands yeah. and he, he, he's not affected at all. So he, he is kind of the wild card out of this bunch that could really – change a game at the blink of an eye. It's enough MVP talk. Let's get to some fun stuff. Uh, Dan, I know this might all make you vomit, but I've got so many of these bets that I just absolutely love. <laughs> we got to get to these. Um, first of all, let's get them out of the way. Chiefs or Bucks, are you taking the points? Are you going the money line? And where are you with the over-under? Go ahead, Dan. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just take the, the Chiefs with the points here. Um, You're taking the minus three, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take uh, the Chiefs with the points. I would probably I, I know you guys are gonna go with the under just to be kind of different. I'm gonna lean the over. I think there is a chance that there's a couple big plays, or I mean, really, it only takes one to kind of flip that game yeah. to fast forward that game script a little bit. So I think there's a chance. Um, that, that it speeds up a little bit. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs with the points. Um, I, I just, I, I, I think, I said it two weeks ago with the Bills. The Bills had to play an almost flawless game to beat, to beat the Chiefs. And that, that's, not a, that's not anything derogatory against the Bills. It's really a testament to the Chiefs that they're so deep in terms of at quarterback, their offensive skill positions, their defense is good enough, and especially coaching, I mean, the the combination you it's it's very hard to beat them right and I think a similar situation sets up I know Brady's on the other side of the ball but um, the Chiefs just have too many ways to beat you and yeah. and it got to a point you know they won all these close games during the year but it really almost seems now in 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 retrospect that they were almost toying with teams to a certain degree that they they knew that they could coast in and they were just going to kind of do what they wanted and um, so yeah I'm going to just I think Talon's going to win out here. I mean, it's, Dan, it's not smart to bet against Brady. Dan, if, the, if this was Green Bay it. and not Tampa, does, would your mind change at all? No, no. I okay. think um, not really. All right. What do you got, Scott? I'm going Chiefs. 
with the minus three, and I'm going to go under. Yeah. All right. That's probably going to be, be the. I think that's probably going to become the the popular bet as we get. To, yeah, you know, As the so weather too. report and stuff like that really starts to get hammered home, I can tell you right now, if you like the Bucks, just skip the points because the money line of the Bucks is plus one forty two right now. Yeah. That's pretty damn saucy. <laughs> I mean, that is not bad just for a straight outright bet in the Super Bowl. That's that's pretty if, good stuff. If it, gets the, if, if it gets the three and a half, so I think I think um, you got to go know, back to the points at that point. Their, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to at least consider that. But I totally agree with you. I mean, if you think the Bucks are in it, they're going to be in it um, within range of winning. I would think so. Agree with you there. Yeah, no question. That's the value bet in terms of just the outright score and things like that. All right. We think, Dan, you think it might be a little bit over. So let me ask you this question off the top. Is Mahomes going for 350 in the air? Because that's the line it takes to get him positive in terms of odds. I would think yes. I mean, I mean, 350, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult number to hit. But um, we've just seen it. Tampa is difficult to run on. I know, I know that can be overblown a little bit, but... Um, Unless they come out and do like a you know a week six or seven whatever that was Bills Chiefs game where the yeah. the Chiefs the Bills CH, just let the yeah. Chiefs run the ball all over them I mean, unless they do something like that and like concede the run to not get into a you know a, a shootout with Mahomes dropping back fifty times a game then um, yeah I think that's um, within reason. Scott, what do you think? Mahomes going big time in terms of air yards? No, I don't think so. Um, I just looked up real quick. In dur- during regular season, he only had five games of th- 350 yards or more. Oh, wow. So in in his Super Bowl last year, you know, I get it. It was his first Super Bowl and all that. 286 yards. Um, so I- I'm going to say he's going to be below 350. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm indifferent on that one. I tend to like this one. If Brady's going to win, Brady's going to throw, even though the run game is going to be there. I mean, there's going to be explosive downfield bombs for Brady if the run game can be established that 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 to me is evident because you will start to get some of those safeties from Kansas City Tyron Matthew and, and a couple of, you know Sorensen to pinch in to stop that run game and that's when Brady will have his shots with Godwin and Miller he needs 325 to get positive in terms of odds it's plus 172 at over 325 yards passing I, there's just something different about Brady this year in, in terms of his recklessness with this with these passes you know, I don't want to make too much of a small sample, but last week, those those two of those interceptions were just heave them up there and see what happened balls. Just absolute moon balls, which I haven't seen from him in, in 19 years. I mean, the, you know, the Brady we saw in the AFC East for a lot of years throws those balls four yards forward into the ground at the at the opposing coach. I mean, that that's the kind of Brady, Brady he was with the Patriots for a very long time. That's That's the exact opposite of what we saw last week. So there's something about him that wants to throw this ball downfield. I'm not sure if it's it was that game plan specifically, but if they can establish the run, to me, 325 seems in play for Tom Brady. What do you think, Dan? Well, Scott made me look stupid with my uh, 350 prediction, and that's what I mean with a lot of soft <laughs> money in there. Um, <laughs> um, no, well, I'll throw I, you. I, I let think, me, I, I'll throw this at you. Go ahead. I just looked at. I, Tom Brady has had a third of the games played this year have had 325 yeah, yards or more. He's throwing. He's throwing bombs, too. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, well, 
I, I'm t- I like I t- in the th- in the thought process of my mind, I took the Chiefs with the points, which means the Bucks will probably be playing from behind. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll say. I mean, it's definitely within range, that's for sure. But it does seem like a high number at face value. But um, I would bet this one. Yeah, I yeah. would bet. I would take the plus one seventy two on Brady going over three twenty five. I think there's a there's a really logical. St- way to get there, whether he's winning or losing the game. I, I, I just think that's probably about right for him. Um, and, and kind of in conjunction with that, Mike Evans, 70 yards, 70 receiving yards gets you plus 118. This is one of the better value bets in the entire uh, prop bet option, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I don't see how this doesn't happen. In fact, this might happen in the first half. This is one of those just stands out like a sore thumb bets. Where do you think on that with this one, Scott? Actually, I'm going to say he's going to go below the 70. Give me the numbers. Uh, I, did some, I did some analytics here. He, he, he gets about four receptions per game and averages about 14 and a half yards per reception. Uh, so it's going to come out to about 61 so yards So don't you think that's game, exactly so. how they drew the line? That's exactly how they got 70. That's the math sure right there. They are do- they, they are depending on box score watchers a lot for this stuff. So I have no doubt that you're at least in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think, Scott, Scott, I think that's exactly right. I think what you just did is uncovered how they got to 70. And I'm saying BS. I think I think Brady's going to rely on Mike Evans because Evans has gone 100 quite a bit here. I mean, he's been consistent. He's a consistent 1,000-yard catcher. It, it, there's just a, a weird... I'm not, I don't love the, the guy as a wide receiver. I'm going to put that out there. I think there's some problems with him on a week-to-week basis. He's, he doesn't seem to have the right body language on a week-to-week basis, but he can catch he's only the had ball. Five, he's only had five games over 100 yards this year. Oh, it's not, that's, not, that's not bad. I only need 70. It's not bad, but he's also had really low, low games. I mean, we're talking two yards, 10 yards, 37, you know, yeah. it, so... Right. I'm going to, I'm going to poke holes in that though. There, there was a, I think he left one super early with an injury. I mean, he was banged up a lot of the year, a new quarterback chemistry type things at the beginning of the year. So let's go even farther. Let's let's go even farther. Godwin missed most of the year. So he was the only option. So whoever the, the the CB one was, was just locking in on that. And that was the game plan. That game plan's gone now. Because Scotty Miller's a factor, Chris Godwin's a factor, Cameron Brate's a factor. You know Gronk's going to stick his nose in this game somewhere. There's just going to be more options, and he's going to be the safety valve. And safety valves get six yard outs a couple, of, you know, a, a couple times a drive in, in these kind of events. I just think he's he's going to be the go to option. I really do. But you bring up Scotty Miller, and I think that's more of a recency bias. Nah. Because if you look at this, I do. I think it, it. He had that catch, and maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, when I actually look, when I look at the stats, they, they only target him one, two, three times a game, and he gets 15 yards here, or 29 I, yards here. Yeah, but how many I, times are they going to send him on a go route as a decoy? I, I, both, I can interject here from a fantasy perspective. I'm pretty sure um, the numbers for Scotty Miller with AB in and out of the lineup is what makes the difference uh, there. So AB took his a, targets. When AB does not play, Scotty Miller is significantly higher targeted than um, when AB is in the lineup. So okay. I well, sort of, well, I, I'm going to lean with Scott on that. If I think I get, I, if I'm understanding since, your point correctly, you're since their bye week in whatever it was, uh, nope. 
no, since week 12, Scotty Miller has only had a high of three targets, whereas in the beginning of the season, he was getting targeted five, six, seven, up towards of nine in one game. So in the later half of the season, he has been targeted less. Now, for whatever reason, that may be with AB or not because they brought him in. But, you know, going off the trend, you know, I think it's more of a recency bias of we saw that touchdown that he caught going into halftime, and that's where I'm at. I don't think AB plays. That's my hot take for the for this show. I don't well, think AB well plays. Then, I mean that that literally changes a lot of what we're gonna that of what we just talked about. Uh-huh. I mean it, because of Scott, you're exactly right. He Scotty Miller was getting a ton of targets early, and partially that I what did Godwin break his finger on like the third route of the season or something? So mm-hmm. a lot of that, what you know, these secondary options for Brady have some inflated numbers this year, largely because of the other three guys missing time. You know, as having and Godwin and AB all missing sure. time throughout the year. So I still, I still yeah, think um, 70 for Evans makes sense to come back to that. I just think that that's the right number. That's a good number for me to bet in my opinion and get positive plus plus one eighteen. This, this, this isn't a prediction necessarily, but I think you're going to know early on Brady yep. either looks at him or he doesn't look at him. So I don't think you're going to be sweating this one into the fourth quarter. I think you're going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to know what he's, what that game plan is early. Scott, does Patrick Mahomes throw a first quarter touchdown? It's plus 110. That's begging to be parlayed. Yeah. Uh, I I think generally these Super Bowls kind of come out flat. I think that's probably just the thing, but this guy's been here. He was here 12 months ago. You know, many of these guys kind of know the process. Are they going to take the ball and go if they win the kick, the coin toss, you know? I think I think so, because th- this Super Bowl has been completely different than any other Super Bowl where you don't have all this lead up time with Radio Row and all the sure. interviews and media. They're, they're, the Chiefs are literally practicing in Kansas City. They fly in two days before and you play the game. There's not all the, you know, the mental drain of everything leading up the week before. So, yeah, it's NBA bubble esque. You're right. I, I could see Kansas City being ready to. Um, shoot at the hip and and, and go at it. So I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take that he gets a first quarter touchdown. Dan, quick. No, I yeah. I don't have a reason, but no. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel I feel no on that one as well. How about this one, Dan? Most receiving yards in the game. Tyreek Hill is plus three thirty. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, what what. What's Kelsey's line? I'm not looking at it. it it's got to be those two have to be the favorite, right? I mean, yeah, the slightly a slight favorite is all that is. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, I'd be an idiot to say no about that. So yeah, that seems. I'm actually. Go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kelsey. You think it is? You think they go to the bell cow and just keep and just keep plugging them? So none yeah, of I us do. think. So, none of us think a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer will have the most receiving yards. No, I don't. I, and I looked up the stats, you know, and I, I get it. The, the the Bucks, you know, they've got all those weapons. So does Kansas City. But Kansas City uses more of their two weapons more than what the Bucks did. The Bucks spread it out more so as far as most reception yards. I, I looked at the top 20 reception yards uh, uh, highs, and 
Hill had the seven of the top 20 and Kelsey had 12 of the top 20. So um, I, I'm going to go that it's going to be Kelsey in this case. I don't, I, I think Tom is going to spread it out more than Mahomes is going to do. I, right. I, I don't want to say, I don't necessarily want to commit like the way you phrase that. I don't want to commit to Tampa not having one of the top receivers. It's just so like to Scott's point, it's so hard to identify where the volume is going to go on right. any given week there. So I think you're better off if you want to attack um, that side of the game like that is to kind of um, pull back the amount you're betting and spread it out a little bit on maybe two <laughs> every three horse. of yeah. the, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just just kind of hedge your bet a little bit and, you know, say if you want to take a stance that you think Tampa is going to be through the air, maybe spread that out between, you know, allocate a little bit to each of the pass catchers because I'm sure. And that's a good point know, for DFS. It's good odds. Yeah. Well, that's how stacking is the way to go. No question. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back up again because the two guys we've talked about, Dan, are extremely favorable odds for us. The longest reception of the game. Tyreek's the favorite. Mike Evans is second. Why, I don't know why Godwin wouldn't be the second. That doesn't make sense. Um, longest reception of the game. McCole Hardman and Scotty Miller are both are both plus eleven hundred. Why? Yeah, I I like that. I like that. <laughs> I do too. I think that's right. I I think it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk on both okay. sides. And if there's going to be a again, shot. Those are fun- no, I was, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, those are fun bets to make, right? You're sitting there holding, oh, yeah. you know, you're, every time, every mm-hmm. time Scotty, Scotty Miller gets loose down the middle and Tom Brady doesn't, you know, he dinks it off to, to Leonard Fournette and you're tilting your face off, you know, that, that, that's fun. <laughs> right. right. The, the yak yards are what's going to kill you on this one. Somebody's going to break it and be able to maneuver themselves down the field. But, you know, yeah, I guess with the weather, I guess it makes more sense that the yak yards would win out here and you wouldn't have a general air, an air ball in terms of the longest reception. So it makes, that makes a little bit more sense to me, but there's some good odds to be had if you want to put $20 on one play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, LaShawn McCoy revenge game versus uh, oh, the double revenge game. Oh, God, as he walks into retirement. Um yeah, the, the one yard pass that he breaks for 57 yards. Yeah, I mean, why couldn't CEH be that? Yeah, heck yeah. Um, here's a fun one. Any, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> any kick, PAT, extra point, field goal, hits the upright, plus 450. Scott? Oh, uh, it's become kind, of a, kind of a thing, right? I mean, it's. It is. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I throw a cup of yeah. coffee on it. Why not? Uh, I would take that. Yeah, yeah I would take throw a cup that. Of coffee. With the way, with the especially if there's going to be why, weather Scott. involved. Let me tell you why. Because it makes watching kicks a lot more fun. <laughs> oh, is yes, there anything absolutely. more boring you right now? Are, <laughs> you guys are drunk. That has got to be the most <laughs> negative EV bet in the world. <laughs> I would need at least two plus two thousand odds to even think about putting yeah, money. I guess you're right. Plus four fifty is ridiculously low for this. That's what I mean. Give me odds and then we're talking. All right, because it's not like they're trying imagine. to do this. They're trying to not do this. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. And and the Scott Scotty Miller point, there is a lot of recency bias with that where we ju- we've seen this happen how many times in the playoffs alone that yeah. people are probably sitting there looking at that. You're right. You know, total trap bet. It's, it's a, a total trap bet. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun as hell though. <laughs> yeah, and to that point, like I said, you have a lot more people that are 
casual yeah. people that are going to bet now. And because of the recency bias, oh, yeah, uh, I'll throw some money on that. Sure, so, sure. No question about I mean, it. They, they, saw, they saw at least a million dollars worth of suckers on that bet. When they put that on the board, that's, that's for sure. Um, I, th- I still throw a cup of coffee on it just to have some fun with it. Um, Dan, you're betting the over. So does that mean that you aren't betting that any quarter will be scoreless? It's plus 50, 550 if it's yes. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't bet that, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's probably a good, that's probably a good, um, research question to see when the last time or how often that happened. Oof. But, um, I, I would, I would be against that. I just think he's too, if it was more of a d- defensive game, I, obviously you wouldn't get the odds on that, but, um, sure. I just, both of these teams are just too good to not get down the field into field goal range at, at minimum once in a quarter in my opinion. Scott, does any team convert a fourth down on their side of the field? Mm. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I kind of like the the plus 220 on that. It's not great odds, which means Vegas definitely thinks it's going to happen. But I would, I would, I'd throw a cup of coffee on that one as well. I think that's, that's likely, especially with these two coaches. I think there's a little bit gunslinger in both of them. Both both teams were 63, 62% in fourth down conversions throughout the year. Now, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't easily pull up the stat in their own end, but overall, I mean, they've 63% and both were a hundred percent in postseason. Rainy weather says don't punt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons to take the plus 220 on that. Um, Look, if Levante David's going to win the MVP, he's going to have the most tackles slash assists at plus 430. So just throwing that one out there. Might as well double down on that ridiculous bet if you're going to go after it. A missed field goal is plus 125. Hmm. Why is that so easy to bet, Dan? Because there's not going to be a field goal? Uh, I don't know. I think I would want a little bit more. Actually, that's probably right. That that line is probably right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It. It could go. It could go either way. I don't think that's the worst bet. No, I like that one a lot. All right, we did this last week with Josh Allen, and there's a version of it this week that I like. We I mentioned it with Aaron Rodgers, and it literally cost him the game that he didn't cover this bet. I'm talking about quarterback rushing yards. The first player to reach 10 rushing yards in the entire game, right? Patrick Mahomes is 50 to one. Mm. Is Daryl Williams getting getting ten rush yards first? Is Ronald Jones getting ten rush yards first? What, what, I mean, in your opinion, without looking at the numbers here, who, Dan, just off the top of your head, who's getting to ten first? I don't think it's that easy. No, I. I guess Fournette would be the favorite. It, it, of all the hail mary bets you threw out there, I actually kind of like this one the most. I think yeah. because if they if if they get the ball first if the Chiefs get the ball first there's it's totally within reason that he can break off 10 yards on the first especially drive. with a bad if offensive line go, and good defensive pressure right <laughs> agreed agreed but I, I do think you're underselling the Fournette slash Ronald Jones factor but they will probably be used in tandem so that kind of goes um further to your point so yeah man I I like that one actually yeah it, I, I just couldn't find a clear-cut favorite 
And whenever that happens, I start looking for value. And there's no question Mahomes is the value here. I mean, it's definitely not Brady. But if, yeah, if they win the coin toss and take the ball, which I think they will do, there's no reason that there, sh- there shouldn't be immediate pressure from Tampa Bay, which could cause him to scramble a little bit. It seems as though the turf toe is healed. You know, I don't, I, he's not going to have any limitations like he's had. So I, man, 50 to one, that's, that's good stuff. In my opinion, that one stuck out a ton for me, Scott, you, you taking that one or you think it's more logical that they hand the ball off to CEH the first drive and, and really try to run the ball down Tampa Bay store a little bit and open things up. Hmm. I guess Levy and Bell's in this conversation too. They really do have three running backs, both these teams. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't know. That's so tough it, it, because it all depends, you know, it depends on who's going to get that coin flip, you know, because uh, I, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take it. You're right. That's the hardest part of this is betting it who's going to have the ball first because it's likely yeah. it happens in the first drive, whoever it is. So, it, 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 and if you can parlay this with, with the coin toss, the coin toss, I like it. Then I like it. Yeah. I mean, how, how many rushing yards for Patrick Mahomes this year? 308. He had 62 attempts. So he averaged about five per attempt. Yeah. I, I don't know. See, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily likely to happen on the first drive. The Chiefs get the, get the ball, but I think the odds make it well within, you know, well within the betting range. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, 50 to one, 50 to one I think you're getting paid I, I off think, for the, the I, risk. I, I actually think the Tariq Hill at plus 2,000 is a better value. First play of the game? End around. You're going to do an end around to Tariq and let him run. You know, I, I thought I about this, Scott. Important. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. If Mahomes tosses him the ball forward, that's a pass. It's got to be a legitimate handoff. And Kansas City very rarely does that. They'll do it with, Hart, with Hardman every now and then uh, or Robinson. But generally with, when it's Hill, it's a little toss forward. So that's not a rush yard. So I thought about that exact exact scenario. Could they come out just slinging on some gimmicky play? So in that case, then you would want to go Hardman or yeah. Hill. Yeah. Hardman's at plus 2,500. So, yeah. I mean, if you think that's going to be one of their uh, dipsy-doo dunkaroos and... In, in, <laughs> oh, man, it's time to cut there. this show off at that point. <laughs> um, all right, the most important prop bet, of course, the Gatorade. Dan, I'm yeah. not even. I'm not even going to tell you the order these are in. Just tell me what you think it's going to be. I already saw a line on the purple at like plus nine hundred. I know that was like the least um, correct likely, but I, I would guess like I don't know, blue, clear, orange in that order. All right. I mean, blue's second second best odds in terms of betting in your favor. Second worst Vegas odds. So uh, blue, you're going blues. How about you, Scott? Orange has been the favorite in the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's so ridiculous that we know this. No, I know. I, and I actually looked this up. So the Chiefs won last year. They had orange. Yeah. The Bucks in 2003 won. They went purple. Um, really? Yeah, they did. So oh, if, if, that's if you huge. Think the Bucks are going to. If you think the Bucks are going to win, then you may want to go purple. Why they would go purple? I, I I was trying to see if there was a correlation between the color of Gatorade and you know their jerseys or their their, their team colors, um, and in some cases it it sort of matched, but not really. Um, 
Like the Patriots have gone blue a, a couple times. I mean, we talk um, about this every year, but this is the problem with this bet, right? Is that anyone in the Chiefs and, and Bucks organization can just log in and see these ads. Exactly, yes. Mike. It's a it's a yes. it's a Vegas fix bet. <laughs> it, like it's probably adjust, it's probably adjusted based on what the you know what the most money comes in. At. Right. Yeah. Right. I, you're 100 percent right. It's the only bet on the board that there's control over. Essentially, I mean the anthem and stuff like that. But if you think the anthem singer is like practicing to to beat or not beat, no the question, line, that's the, fixed. A hundred percent, that's fixed. Yeah, because all you have to do is have a, a, an equipment manager who sends a text with a purple heart. They to already your, know your wife. They already know. They already know what color. Yeah, it's they already know. So. I, I I think you're why if the if Tampa Bay used purple before, then I'm betting purple. Also, is is there only one flavor on the sideline, and could it just be as random as three dudes go and grab a random cooler and have no idea what color it is? I mean, we're all overthinking this. I, I, want, I mean, maybe. I want it to be a thing that each team has to pick their Gatorade during media week. Like, it's got to be a thing. There's like an actual league-mandated sponsored event where it's like freaking la- the, the draft lottery envelopes where the Chiefs seal up their Gatorade packet and submit it to the league, and, and the Buccaneers seal up their packet and submit it to the league, and then the league brings down those packets or that one that actual packet to the team when it's clear they're going to win. So th- there's like an actual inte- integrity process in place for this Gatorade. This is the Gatorade you chose. You have to use this exact packet, and, and that's how we're going to do it. If, if you're going to allow this gambling, is don't... This is- it sounds stupid, but if you're going to allow gambling, if you're going to if you're going to be invested in gambling companies, don't you have to take these measures? This is where you cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to the Athletic. All right, who's going to win? Sorry, who's going to win? Is everybody going, going Chiefs here? I'm going Chiefs. Chiefs. It's that easy. Good stuff, guys. My thanks to the Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off, especially this weekend, of course, for the Super Bowl. My thanks to the online betting guide. Become a better get better than we have. I'm 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 showing my showing my face here with these uprights and whatnot. I swear to God, though, if a kick hits the upright, I'm going to call both of you immediately. Immediately, I'm not betting this. <laughs> OLBG.com free contest, the NBA Pick'em contest, and make yourself a better gambler in the process for cousin Dan for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.